Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this episode, we're talking with Joanna Scheel about what we can learn from self taught musicians. Today, lovely teachers, we're joined by Joanna Scheel, who's one of the staff writers and editors at Vibrant Music, and we're going to be chatting about how we can take inspiration from self-taught musicians. So I would love to hear about which you are, dear listener. Send me an email, support at colorfulkeys.ie, and let me know whether you're self-taught or went through more traditional lessons like me, or maybe a mixture of the two things we're talking about today. I think many of us teachers went through the traditional lesson approach like I did, and it suited us quite well, and that's how we ended up as teachers. But there are lots of musicians out there who are self-taught. So Joanna, can you describe this self-taught musician and what their experience is like? Yeah, so um, I'm actually pretty much a self-taught musician myself, so I'm one of those teachers that had a mix of both traditional learning and some of my own learning as well. These self-taught musicians tend to be perhaps more into contemporary music or popular music. I think it's kind of rare to have a self-taught musician that's really motivated by kind of the classical traditional approach. They tend to learn songs by ear. Um, They tend to play with friends. They form bands and love to I know when I was learning I would um, play the piano and have a friend sing for example or sing myself it was always a combination of the two you know choose their own music so they really look for pieces that speak to them or that they really want to learn maybe they might be a little bit out of their level that maybe could challenge them or it could be just something that they heard their friend play and that they want to play as well they tend to learn maybe without a teacher obviously they don't have a plan as such yeah they they really kind of I remember when I was like kind of in my self-learning periods I would do a lot of performing I would do a lot of listening I would mess around and play things on the piano in a sense you know I was kind of practicing a lot of musical skills all at once yeah so a lot of teachers naturally I think kind of balk at this approach or they just feel like oh that's so uncomfortable it's so unstructured but I think there are advantages and disadvantages maybe from this method of learning so what do you see as some of the main upsides and downsides well some of the upsides are that you know 
I don't know about you, but like if someone is constantly telling me what to do or how to learn this, <laughs> I don't know, it can kind of dampen what you want to do if you're really, really motivated to learn a particular piece or you're really motivated to explore a certain style and you're being told to do like a technical exercise every week. Might be thinking, well, what's the point? Why, how is this related? And also, I think for me, um, it was a very immediate thing. Like if I could, if there was a performance coming up and I wanted to play a piece for it, if it was out of my level, I would go out of my way to try and improve those skills. So I wasn't doing it in such a progressive kind of laid out way. But that can also be a disadvantage as well. I mean, technique, I mean, when you play an instrument, it's not something that comes... It's not a natural movement as such. So when you play, you want it to be a natural and relaxed movement. But the act of playing an instrument is is unusual, I think, in the way that we move our bodies and interact with the instrument. Definitely technique can fall to the wayside, especially if you're playing pieces that are out of your level or, you know, a little bit more advanced for where you're at at the moment as well. And if you're not motivated, if you're not, if you get discouraged easily or you give up easily, that could really set you back as well in your music learning if things aren't progressive. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big believer in the fact that we can learn from all different avenues, that we should never get stuck in our box of like, this is how I teach and this is my methodology. We should always be open to different influences on how we teach, which is why I thought this topic was so interesting. So let's go through some of the areas or the things that we think maybe teachers could learn to do better from self-taught musicians. Not everything is going to be an advantage, but there are some things definitely that we can learn from these students who teach themselves and often go on to keep playing music for the rest of their lives. So how can we help our students develop the same kind of practice responsibility and ownership that I think many of these students have? I think first and foremost, it's important to let students practice the practice of goal setting or practice, you know, independent learning. So, you know, it is a practice. It is a skill, like learning how to set a goal that you can work towards that, you know, is a smart goal as such, you know, something that is measurable, something that is specific, something that is realistic that they could achieve. And maybe they need a mentor or guidance like in you as a teacher to help set appropriate goals so I think that's really important in that you know choosing their own pieces perhaps you can help guide them towards pieces that are perhaps not too out of their level that would be appropriate but that they still really want to play or I know one spot or one trouble spot I had was trying to find pieces even just not having the repertoire at my hands as a teacher you have such a wealth of knowledge about music that students can tap into if they're looking for a certain piece or you notice that they're really enjoying a certain style or a composer, you can open them up to new styles and new composers that you just know they would love that maybe it would take them a long time to discover. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think students who are not naturally of this mindset, like who maybe are not like you (laughs) or more like me, who just follow the rules and and do what they're told to do, They may need a bit more coaxing to come up with those types of pieces that they want to learn or, you know, they really need a lot of encouragement. So I always try and ask all my students regularly, at least when they're teenagers and above, definitely, 
asking them regularly, like, is there any type of music that you're listening to at the moment? What is it that you'd like to learn? Did you hear anything recently? And I find that the first few times for shyer students, they'll say, no, like, I don't listen to anything. And you're like, really? But then they, if you keep persisting with it, one day they'll tentatively suggest something, Billie Eilish or something will come out and then you get to draw upon that. So yeah, definitely trying to develop that ownership over what pieces they're learning and the goals that they have and then the smaller practice goals that build towards the things that they want to learn. Yeah, and I really do believe it's like a skill that just needs to be practiced for some students and they'll get there. But yeah, it's just one of those things that needs practice (laughs) along with everything else in music. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing you mentioned earlier was that these students often play by ear a lot. And that's something that I never did again. I'm like, just naturally, you know, my teacher didn't tell me to do it, so I didn't do it. It really was that simple. So how do you think that benefits them? I'm guessing a lot of these musicians tend to be better listeners than many of our students who are very by the page. And how can we encourage our students to do more playing by ear, to listen more? Yeah, this is the big question, isn't it? Like, and it shouldn't be, I think, because music is such an oral, it's an oral art, isn't it? It's about listening and it's about playing and it's about sound. It's interesting that I guess it makes sense, right, that a lot of self-taught musicians tend to listen and play by ear. You know, it's not, it's that it feels maybe the more natural way to learn music perhaps than just sitting down and reading some dots on a page and you can pick up so much more by listening so much more about your phrasing articulation even kind of the emotions and feelings that are in a piece so I always try to approach that in my lesson as setting lots of listening homework so if there's a piece coming up especially with rote I teach a lot of rote pieces and I think they're great for helping to develop the ear because they're naturally full of patterns. And so we listen to lots of music throughout the lesson, at the beginning of the lesson, at the end of the lesson, during the lesson, set it for homework. And if there's a piece that they want to learn or if there's a new piece that I'm teaching, I might just say, you know, let's listen to this piece and see if we can pick out, I might ask them to pick out a riff or some harmony in the left hand even, you know, can you work out some of the notes in the melody? Can you, can you clap a rhythm that you can hear in the music? So always trying to hum some music from a kind of ear first place and seeing how it, how, what they can pick out themselves. And also just showing a lot, you know, modeling the music, modeling how you know, with a new rhythm, could we try it in a different place on the piano or could we, could I play on some drums and you play on the piano at the same time? Or if there's two rhythms in the piece, could we play them against each other? Could we move to it? Could we do question and answer phrases? Could we improvise with that scale that we learned in this piece and so on? Yeah, kind of taking concepts, I guess, and trying to find them in the music by ear and and replicating them on the instrument. Yeah, absolutely. Not just for figuring things out by ear, but really listening and watching almost as well is also often missing because we're just so focused on 
the music and the notation and maybe even discussing it. And we should be doing more playing and more demonstrating and listening together. I will say for those students who are very reluctant in the playing by ear area, who just really immediately get stumped, you know, you will have had those students who just go, I don't know, like, and they won't even test it out. We do have a course inside Vibrant Music Teaching, which is called Ear Elevator. And it's structured in a way that makes the first level really easy to figure out so that they gain confidence. So if you have students who are really not sure about the whole thing, some will just jump in and figure out the riff in the background of their favorite pop songs. But some need a little bit more structure around that to build up the confidence. So Ear Elevator is a good one for that. So self-taught musicians often also play a lot with others, something I'm really big on in my studio, trying to get opportunities for students to play together or with other musicians who are their friends, like trying to encourage that. How do you think we can provide these opportunities for our students? I'd say especially for those teachers out there who teach mainly solo lessons, one-on-one lessons. Yeah, it can be really tricky when you're teaching solo, when you're teaching one-on-one. But remember that you yourself are a musician and there's lots of things that you can do with your student to make playing a sociable activity. So always be playing duets and ensemble pieces together. You know, play around, swap parts with each other. If you're improvising, you could, depending on the level of the student, again, you could teach them a simple vamp. And then you can improvise in a scale on the top or you can swap around. And also if you have a one-on-one students, there's no reason why you couldn't bring them together in a group or a, you know, a piano party or a workshop. I know that we have quite a few on the VMT library, which work really well as a group and there's lots of ensemble work in there. Um, and it just makes music making a more, when you're playing with friends and you're meeting with other people, you're bouncing off each other as well. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just float the idea as well. Like definitely do that so they have a basis in the idea of playing with others and they feel a bit more confident. But also bring up the fact that they might have other friends who play a musical instrument. Often it doesn't occur to them to get involved in a way that doesn't tend to happen with, say, a guitarist. They just naturally, like, they play along with the group of them singing or they find a bassist and make a band of two or something. Whereas Pianists don't always feel like they have the skills to be involved. So teaching them a few chords, they can play like how to play with chord charts and things like that and encouraging them to play with their friends who do play something else or asking them if they have a specific friend who plays any instrument and seeing if you can source some music that they could learn together. You know, that's at the right level can be great. So the final thing that I think is huge for self-taught musicians that many of us would be jealous of on behalf of our students is that they have a lot more autonomy over their learning and a lot more ownership of their learning. Like they're doing it because they want to do it and they are motivated. They're just driven deep within themselves to do it, right? They just want to get better. They want to play the things they want to play. So do you think there's any way we can bring that into our lessons for those students who don't seem to have that naturally? Yeah, I think... This is the big question for me and my teaching. I mean, my ultimate goal is to kind of grow musicians that will, you know, start to get that independence or start to get that curiosity about learning, use the tools that I've taught them to sort of take, to 
go off into the wild and <laughs> become musicians. And that would be like the ultimate goal. But again, I think it's just a skill for some students that needs to be practiced. Or, you know, for some students, maybe they're just not motivated in the same way Keith mentioned and you said earlier. So I think it's important to kind of practice giving, uh, giving them those skills of, you know, letting them set their goals, thinking about what they would like to learn. And it might be something that is a slow process, but you can give them that opportunity. And you can also be really, really encouraging as well. You know, I like to more and more I'm finding in my teaching that I'm taking a step back from my students. I'm not there constantly, you know, correct. I think your talk last on Wednesday was really interesting about no, like not correcting mistakes immediately, you know, or the being sensitive about correcting mistakes making sure that the language that you use saying that they're doing things wrong or that you're not immediately jumping in to point in to point out what they need to change that you're giving them some space to come up with those answers themselves and to listen critically to what they're doing and again you know just sparking interest in what what are they interested in themselves in what music are they listening to you know it might start off really small I mean if they are into Billie Eilish, they might not even un- realize that they could play something like that on the piano. They might just hear hear it as a song and not know that they could make an arrangement of it on the instrument. Those kind of things. And I think teaching skills like lead sheet reading and arranging and creative skills like improvisation and composition has really opened up the instrument as well from being something that is a piece of music that you play off a piece of a sheet piece into something that you can just create yourself. And I think that's kind of, that can be the light bulb moment for a lot of students as well. Yes, absolutely. So we've covered a lot of ground there. Is there anything else you think us inside the box learners or former inside the box learners like me could learn from self-taught musicians or partially self-taught musicians like you? Is there anything we haven't covered? I think that's the thing, just taking a step back as a teacher and giving space to students to see what they want to do and what they want to learn, listening to them as well and always giving them choices, you know, there's not to say, it's not to say that there's no structure and that there's no plan. It's really important that you are guiding them on this journey, but maybe to take yourself as more of a mentor or a teacher, a guidance kind of role rather than you know, being the decision maker in this kind of learning relationship. So I think that's that's the thing, really. Yeah, and we all want to make ourselves sort of obsolete for each individual student eventually so that they keep playing. Mm-hmm. So it's about gradually moving more towards the mentor side and further away from the teacher side of the spectrum, I think, as they go on. And hopefully having them choose the destination and we're the ones that maybe chart the course to get there but they are ultimately choosing what they want to learn, especially as they get older. This has been so interesting, Joanna. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about what we can learn from self-taught musicians. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's an interesting topic. Remember, I would love to hear from you about which kind of musician you are. Send me an email, support at colourfulkeys.ie and let me know whether you're self-taught or went through traditional lessons like me or a mixture like Joanna. 
If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.